This is how we're gonna hold my microphone because my stand is not working. <laughs> it broke. That yeah. You're taking a video? Can I do that? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> BTS. BTS. New location. <laughs> Welcome to a special episode of the Been on Her podcast with Gina Kelly and myself, Dana. And today we have the incredible Devin Brookshire. From Bishop Montgomery High School to a journey overseas, Devin's basketball career has been nothing short of extraordinary. Join us as she shares her experiences from overcoming a significant setback in high school to navigating the twists and turns of collegiate basketball, including a transformative stint at St. Mary's College. But her story doesn't end on the court. Discover how Devin's passion for mindset and psychology led her to a role with Rise Athletes, where she mentored young talents alongside her professional career. Get ready for an insightful and inspiring conversation with Devin on the Bet on Her podcast. Welcome. Thank Welcome. you. Welcome. <laughs> it's so nice to have you on. You are our first women's basketball player. Ooh, yes. Yeah, so, exciting. yeah. And it, it's very cool. Our connection is we actually all work with the same trainer, CJ. So shout out to CJ. Shout out to, shout out to Christian <laughs> for connecting us. <laughs> I know he's watching. <laughs> you just looked into the camera. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. We're going to tag him on that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, so give us just a little bit of a, a background of kind of um, what's going on with you right now, because obviously you're in the States, but you've been playing overseas for a long time. So um yeah, just kind of want to give our listeners a little bit of what's going on in your life right now. Yeah, um, my life is kind of in the interesting zone right now, but I was playing in Germany um, for the first part of the season, and uh, we, my team just didn't have a great start, and overseas is a bit cutthroat, so our coach was fired, um, and then a few other players, a couple players were let go, and then I was released while I was home on break. <laughs> so um, wow. I've just stayed here and um, just looking for my next opportunity now. So it's all about fit and everything happens for a reason. And it's not the worst time to be home with the holidays and stuff. So, um, but yeah, just training and staying ready. Yeah, that's, that's definitely tough. And I do want to get into that, but um, first let's kind of rewind a little bit to kind of where you got today mm -hmm. um, and like where your passion for basketball first started mm -hmm. um, and give us, you know, kind of that story, which I'm really interested to hear. Yeah. yeah. Like why basketball and not volleyball? Yeah. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you are tall. My, in high school, the volleyball coach like pestered me every single day. <laughs> to come for the team. Coaches that are listening, pester those kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't work, but that's okay. Um, I, when I was little, I, I played all the sports. My parents put me in everything. Um, but I like in T-ball, like the next year we graduated to baseball and they had to bring out the tee for me because I just couldn't hit the ball. So I was like, no, not that one. And um, <laughs> soccer, I was a kid like picking daisies in the field. So that wasn't it either. And basketball, I just kind of took to pretty quickly, pretty early on. Um, pretty much by the time I was 10, I was like, no, I think this is it. I want to play in college. I want to see where I can go with this. So, um, yeah, I think obviously height makes a difference and helps. But I also just love the, the game. Yeah, what, what do you love about it? I love that there's so many dynamics to it and that there's like always something you can get better at and not get bored. Like there's, you know, you've offense, defense, it's fast pace and it's really skill based. And obviously the team aspect as well is something that I love. What uh, position did you play? I play forward. Oh, nice. And you've always played forward. 
Pretty much, yeah. yeah. I mean, I try to be, I've always tried to be like versatile, so I play like inside and, and out as well. But yeah, around. I don't know if you know this about Kelly, but she has, I mean, she can shoot. She's a okay. shooter. Shooter. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right terminology. We, but. we played basketball over at Bay Club. It was like a really short, like after workout type of deal. And uh, she let me join her. And she's over there just like swishing every, like getting every shot. Okay. It was so good. Well, I, I played in high school, so I would cross train yeah. with indoor volleyball and then play basketball in the winter. Mm -hmm. I only played two years, but like I love basketball, mm -hmm. love shooting. I'm great. I'm not great at dribbling at all. Like cannot mm -hmm. run the fast break. Okay. You have a great crossover. I do okay, but I never like. That's really... how Eric ruptured his Achilles. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like yeah, but I I, 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 like, I like basketball. It's super fun. Yeah. yeah. Mm. What about like any influences? Because obviously it seems like you you picked it up early and realized this is what you want to do, but were there any influences in your life or people you looked up to? Um, I think, I mean, being in LA, I was a Sparks fan. I mean, still am to it, but um, so I love like Lisa Leslie and then Candace Parker was my favorite player growing up. Like I would watch her games at Tennessee and like write down every move she made and then go practice in the backyard. <laughs> um, so, uh, and it was really cool when she came to the Sparks too and was there with, um, so I think they influenced me a lot and, um, and really helped kind of try to model my game a little bit after theirs. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. LA Sp go LA Sparks. <laughs> yeah. I, I love anything basketball related, <laughs> women's, men's, everything. I actually flew out to, um, I ruptured my, uh, plantar fascia oh. and, but I had already purchased tickets to go to New York to watch okay. the New York Liberty and Sabrina Ionescu. And I was yeah. taking a long way route to Chicago I was like, oh, I'm just going to treat myself. I'm going to go there. And I, and I went there with my boot because I was like, it's not going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> Had a great experience. I don't know if you've ever gone to the, the Barclays Center. No, I haven't yet. They have this room. It's the red room. And it's full of candy. <laughs> so good. It is like literally floor to ceiling candy everywhere. Oh, and um, I'm Romanian. She has. She's also Romanian. Mm -hmm. And when I would cheer, I would cheer in Romanian and she would like ignore me so sabrina if you're listening to this <laughs> come on the podcast and we could talk it out <laughs> that would be great that's funny um and then i guess i want to i want to hear more about kind of what happened in high school mm -hmm. and i think it's this is going to be really important for listeners because it is something that happens it's a reality you know mm -hmm. about injuries and stuff mm -hmm. so um and the time in your life when it did happen. Yeah. Um, so I went to Bishop Montgomery, had a really good, great experience there when I was having a, a good career. We were consistently like CIF finalists, never got over the hump. But um, my junior year, we probably had the best team too, which really sucks. But um, I tore my ACL in January, I think. Um, and it was a big setback. Like it was literally the week like Stanford was supposed to come watch. So um, stuff like that. And it's probably the biggest recruiting summer. Um, so I missed that summer. Um, so it was tough because I didn't really recognize it at the time, but um, these schools are calling and they're saying like, oh, we don't, we can't sign you yet because we want to see how you come back. And in my mind, it's like, well, obviously I'm going to come back great. Like that's not a question, but I understand obviously now from their perspective, like what that they needed, you know, that assurance, but and the window closes and they sign people in my position and then it's starting my senior year and I came back and had the best like statistical season of my high school career, but um, it was just, it got tough with slots filling up 
luckily enough, um, Northwestern came on kind of in the end, uh, and I signed with them in, in April, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was not the, not the most ideal, not, not definitely not the process that I expected. Yeah. But I'm sure you learned a lot from it too. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> kind of going back to your experience in high school when you like did tear your ACL, like how did you mentally get through that period? What did I, you do? Like for some, I don't know, for, for some reason I was just, I was very day to day in that period and like celebrated every little win. So it's okay. How many degrees did my knee bend today? Or I started walking without crutches or whatever kind of each milestone. So, um, I didn't really zoom out while I was in the process, which I think was helpful, can be helpful for rehab, um, purposes. And I just never questioned. I was like, just like, Oh, it's an opportunity to get stronger and get better. Um, so that really helped me get get through it. And then it was more after when I zoomed out, like, oh, this had a bigger impact than I, I thought it did. And then I think from the pro progression of that or that process, what did you learn from it going into your career in college? Like what takeaways did you learn from the downtime of rehabbing to then applying it into your, you know, your career now? I learned how to focus on maybe taking advantage of watching more film and studying the game from different angles and then also taking a deeper dive into how I can improve my individual skill set and um, just learning how to little, be a bit more creative in the process and I think that helps with as you progress in your in your career just seeing things from different angles. Yeah I think I mean it, it sounds like you made a lot of um, Good. You took a lot of good steps to still put yourself in a good position to mm -hmm. where when you were healthy, you were able to get recruited mm -hmm. with the, you know, obviously it's a little harder when there's limited opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what about like advice do you have for younger athletes that are maybe going through this similar recruiting process? Maybe they get injured, maybe they don't. Um, but kind of like from a logistical standpoint, um, in order to like get their foot in the door with different colleges. I would say um, keep keep your options more open than you might want to at first, because I think I had a little bit of a narrow approach and um, you just never know how programs are going to change and evolve. Um, and the, the process is a bit different now. I think things are happening so much earlier than when I was uh, playing in high school, which is so tricky because, you know, a program could be so much different when you're a freshman or sophomore in high school than when you're a junior and senior and then when you're entering as uh, into college. So um, I think just keeping your options open and really looking at, at fit and where you can see yourself successful no matter what the name of the school is or what the reputation is, like looking at more of the little, how are you going to play on the court? Because that's at the end of the day, that's where you're going to be happiest. For sure. Yeah, I similar takeaway that I would do to or tell people as well is um, keeping like you said keeping your options open and being exploring areas or schools that you might not be interested in mm -hmm. um, granted like my experience I feel like knowing what I know now I would probably make the same choice I did but um, I still think it's important to kind of like keep an open mind for sure yeah yeah and to not be like pigeonholed by some of these coaches that can put this pressure on you Absolutely. to like commit right away mm -hmm. like I was given I was given offered a full ride and um 
I was given two weeks to decide. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the scholarship would be off the table, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the reality of it, unfortunately, mm -hmm. for these younger players. And you're having to make such a pivotal decision in your life mm -hmm. at 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, mm -hmm. who knows? They don't know what, you know, I didn't know what I wanted at that age. What about you, Kelly? What was your experience like with recruiting? I think when I was getting recruited, I definitely, I made like the big pros and cons list. And like, I literally wrote down everything to a T from like weather to like <laughs> location to facilities. Like I literally put it down on a paper and like all the schools that I looked at, like I just, I try to look at it from, you know, a different perspective as far as like, not just looking at one school, but like really weighing all my options and kind of seeing what else is out there and what programs kind of I was interested in. So then just kind of narrowed the field, but like I took my time, like I waited mm -hmm. till um, a while, I think. Yeah. I, mean, I can't remember, but I didn't jump at the first opportunity. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then with your decision, um, like how did you come to that decision? And then let's talk about your transfer as well. Mm -hmm. So at the, at the end of, when I was time to take official visits, I think I just took, I'd one at ASU and then one at Northwestern. I think I had one more scheduled, but I can't really remember <laughs> it. Um, but I went on both of those and Northwestern just felt like the best fit in terms of academics and athletics because academics were, were really important to me. Um, so I ended up going, choosing that school and I absolutely loved the, the school and that part of it. I love my teammates. I loved 99%, well, not 99% of the experience, yeah. but like most everything just, yeah. uh, it ended up not being great on the court for me in terms of getting like playing time that I wanted and, and that kind of stuff. So, um, I just was kind of looking after my sophomore year, I didn't see that changing regardless of how hard I worked or how much I improved. Cause I had kind of done all that for two years and hadn't really seen the results that I was hoping for so that's when I made the decision to to transfer and ended up at St. Mary's um which was a different experience but a r great one as well just small school but uh, a pretty big basketball culture and like mm -hmm. the men's program has been pretty successful and women's as well so um, so it was a great experience there too. Yeah. So it sounds like you just, you figured out what was important to you mm -hmm. and then made the decision to switch based off of that. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think it's important too, for these younger athletes as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. And I knew I wanted to play after too, which I don't know if I knew going into college. I don't know if I had looked that far. And then I was like, no, I, I really want to pursue playing after. And you know, you need to be on the court and be producing in order to, to do that. So that was a big part of the, the decision as well. Yeah, that's cool. I, I am really interested in hearing kind of what it's like for a ba female basketball player to have the opportunity to go play overseas because mm -hmm. we're pretty knowledgeable, at least Kelly and I are, about what it takes for um, for what volleyball. Mm -hmm. And I'm just, I want to know like what, kind of like how did you go about that? Did you, did you go about like finding an agent? Were there... Um, and like what kind of like you learned through that process just to start? Yeah, it, I'm still learning. <laughs> it's my seventh year. So it's it's a really interesting world to navigate. Um, at the beginning, I went to my college coach and he gave me a list of agents to reach out to and suggested one in particular. So I, I signed with her and um, 
I ended up going to Ireland my first year, which isn't the best basketball place, but it was a really great experience in terms of like first place overseas. They speak English, you know, it's kind of a nice little like transition. Transition. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then after that, it's just been a lot of further navigating learning because overseas is, is tricky and there's not a ton of there's not just like, you can't just Google, you know, how do I do this? You're, you really <laughs> have to talk to people and network and, and even then people aren't always upfront with information. It's, it's a lot of, uh, just trying to weed through all the, um, and get, get to where you want to, to get to. So it's, it's interesting, but it's, you know, you make good connections and you get, you think you get better at it as you go, but then sometimes it's still it's confusing. <laughs> Yeah. What were some of your more memorable moments or challenges throughout your seven year career? Um, I would say the off the court stuff ends up being harder most times than the on the court. Basketball is basketball. And um, like, I think just having to uproot and get to a new place constantly and learn it not learn a different language, but try to assimilate into a different culture and, and learn different customs. And then there's situations where your living isn't great, or maybe you don't have Wi-Fi or you don't have hot water and you're, you know, some of these basic things and they, you get it figured out. But, um, I think there's just been some of that has been probably the most challenging spot. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, we talked about this on a or different podcasts with uh, Jordan Larson, but mm -hmm. what about like negotiating your contracts and mm -hmm. kind of like similar to when you're looking for a university to play at, mm -hmm. do you have to think of like, what are your non-negotiables? Mm -hmm. um, and so maybe what some are, what are some of those, or maybe kind of if you have any stories about how you've gone about negotiating contracts or having to settle for something that you maybe didn't want to. Yeah, I think um, luckily, like my agent does most of the negotiating, so I don't have to do too much. Um, but I think that starts with getting a really good agent, which has been a challenge mm -hmm. um, to consistently do that. And uh, in terms of, of non-negotiables, the, the hard thing is that you can have things written in the contracts, but they're not always the best at following them as well. So like things can look really great and then you get there and you're like, well, that's not what you said you're going to do. Yeah. Um, Yikes. So, uh, so yeah, so it can, it can be challenging, but, um, at the end of the day, I think just trying to have like an explorer's kind of mindset about it and, um, getting to go and see new places and, and meet new people. And, um, but also understanding like what, when it comes to a point of, okay, I'm not going to deal with this. I need to, you know, leave, which I've had to do before. So, um, yeah, understanding what you want and then being able to adjust to a point and then also apply a boundary if you need to. For sure. It sounds like volleyball too. And Kelly's had similar yeah. experience. Weren't you playing overseas? Yeah, I made, so I was playing, what year was it? I don't even remember, but I played, I made it like four months playing indoor overseas in Switzerland. Mm. And then I knew it wasn't for me and then yeah. made the decision to come home, yeah. finished my degree at UCLA, and then I got on the beach right away. But Fair. that was a very hard decision to make, mm -hmm. especially when you're young, overseas, away from home. Luckily, my parents were there, but I mean, yeah, sometimes overseas, like you land the right contracts, you get good ones. Other times it's 
like, oh, this isn't what I thought. But mm -hmm. I feel like the biggest thing is like to go experience that because you'll, I mean, you have to go experience it yourself in order to like make those decisions. So, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, never again <laughs> <laughs> for me. Fair. Well, it was different. I did beach. So that was a whole different thing as far as like we have more control of like what tournaments we want to play in, yeah. all that yeah. stuff. But, um, but yeah. What about, um, you've played in seven different countries or you've just, or is it? Yeah. I think it's been a pretty much a different country, country each, each time. Year. Yeah, so I'm assuming that there's plenty of different playing styles, and how do you adapt your game to those, or how have you have have there been any challenges in regards to that, or has it kind of been? Um, yeah, I think I haven't. I mean, each country varies a, a little bit in how they play, but it's more about the team specifically and and the coach and and their systems that they're running. So. Um, but I have had to learn how to be adaptable. Like maybe this one team, like for example, I played in Australia over the summer and I was playing a lot more uh, like five, which would be more of a center type position than what I'm used to, which is more the four, which is more like, you know, not quite the having to guard all the biggest people. On the <laughs> so um, I think just learning how to adapt in, you know, it's an opportunity to develop more like a set of skills that um, I wouldn't always have used on other teams. But just being ready to to use your full skill set, depending on what's needed in your particular situation. Do a lot of NBA player. I mean, not NBA. Sorry. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Women's NBA. WNBA. WNBA. <laughs> sorry. Do a lot of WNBA athletes play in these overseas leagues that you're in as well? Yeah, um, not necessarily in the ones that I've been in as much, but um, but most of them would have to in order or do not always have to, but they do in order to kind of play more year round because the WNBA season is pretty short and and make money. Yeah, and yeah. Brittany Griner, remember she was yeah in Russia. In Russia, mm -hmm. they yes. make a lot more money. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of like WNBA and other opportunities for women basketball players, what is kind of the space to look like in your opinion and kind of like what positive things are happening for the sport and maybe what other changes you think need to happen? I think the sport is, is growing. I think there's been really positive numbers in terms of viewership and attendance in in both WNBA and college and not just in basketball and um, volleyball and, and that as well. So I think that's trending in the right direction. I think people forget how young the WNBA is as a league. Like it's 25 years old and um, it takes time for these leagues to really develop. And it's not really fair to compare, you know, to the men who had like 50 year head start, something like that. So um, I think it's, it's on the right trajectory. I think there's also an expansion team coming in the Bay Area, which is really positive because um, right now there's only... 12 teams, 12 roster spots, the 144 spots for U.S. Wow. players in the WNBA. And that's the only pro league for basketball in the U.S. So um, super limited. And I think expanding that's really important. But then I also think how they can take care of their players is, is equally important. So like still flying commercial often and there's a lot of issues with, you know, back-to-back -back games and travel and stuff like that. So I think, you know, obviously those are opportunities to improve upon because at the end of the day, you want the best product on the floor. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be able to accommodate the best, uh, you know, recovery and, and off-the-court situations for that to happen. 
What's the what's the league called out over in, in Europe? It's not FIBA, is it FIBA? FIBA is kind of the overarching governing body mm -hmm. of basketball, but then there's individual leagues in every country. Um, so like sometimes, multi like for example, France has five professional leagues. So it's much more popular. Mm -hmm. So the there's US. just a lot more opportunity because there's individual leagues per country and then there's um, Euro League, which would be the top mm -hmm. teams kind of from different countries and then Euro Cup, which is just like right below that. So yeah, interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that big in yeah. Europe. Yeah, I mean, Europe, it's like basically soccer, football, football. Yeah. Um, basketball and volleyball. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In a lot of places around the world, too. I wonder why it hasn't picked up here in the U.S. Basket, women's, women's basketball. basketball well, yeah. I mean, it seems like it is, you know. Oh, yeah, it's getting I mean, there. like, think about the, the one stat that I thought was so interesting was um, the NC2A finals, Iowa versus, mm -hmm. who were they playing? LSU. LSU. There were more people watching that final game than there were watching the World Series this year. Yeah. Which is huge, Yeah, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And, like, it just shows that... They, we need, you know, more viewership. Viewership. We need more coverage, all of that. Um, yeah, the, the numbers are are super promising. And I, but I think you also like you need to have the investment first in order to get the viewership, and you need to put it on TV in order to get that. So I think accessibility is is as important. And people, you know, always complain like, oh, no one watches it. Well, where can they watch it? Like, that's make it right. easier Facts. to watch. So true. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Facts. I agree. <laughs> Same thing with volleyball. Yeah, I know. I literally yeah. have like five different devices open just to see which court is playing, which like yeah. streaming, which game or it's whatever. It's too confusing. Whatever. Yeah. Exactly. What about overseas? Is there pretty good coverage or is like, can your family and friends at home watch you easily? For the most part, yeah. Each league would have the like a live stream um, site that they stream all the games on. So um, it's not ESPN, but it, yeah, it works. But still, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. Yeah. Um, I I'd love to hear also more about kind of what you're doing with mindset stuff, and maybe talk about first what you were doing with Rise, and then what happened. Um, because I think it's I think this is super important and all you young athletes out there you need to listen to this right now <laughs> turn the volume yeah up. yeah so I was a I was a psych major in college and I've always kind of taken a particular liking to mindset and human behavior and I found in my own game that that's been a challenge um, in order to just maintaining confidence and and belief in um and didn't really realize that you can kind of train these aspects um, in, in order to improve. And um, so I kind of had my, did my own little like education on with books and stuff and worked with some professionals and, um, and still do. And, and that's been really pivotal for me. And, and then this opportunity with Rise came where I could kind of impart what I've learned with youth athletes. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was uh, a company founded by Caroline Burkle and Rebecca Sony are Olympic uh, swimmers, and they paired athletes of all sports, um, professional athletes of all sports with with youth athletes, basically teens, so middle school to high school. And um, so that was a really great uh, experience for me getting to just individually work. And it gave me something off the court to provide fulfillment as well, which was really nice. So it, okay, maybe I didn't play very well yes in yesterday's game, but 
I, you know, helped this girl feel better and, and she performed better today. And so that was really nice for me to kind of have, um, have kind of diversify my, my purpose a bit. And, um, unfortunately they disbanded about a year ago now, just the founders went in a different direction. Um, but I've been able to continue with some of the clients on the side and get new ones as well, which has been really nice. And, um, I like to, to have that on the side. What is it? So like talk about like what you work through with the, some of these younger athletes, like what, what are some pillars of your mindset training that you w walk through them with? Right. So it's one-on-one -on -one basically over zoom and it really depends on the athlete and what their needs are. But oftentimes it's, um, you know, we can start with like kind of goal setting to see where they're at. And then, um, we do a lot of, I like end every session with visualization and breath work. Cause I think that's really important, um, to learn and, and to gain as a skill. And, um, and so seeing the success, but then also like seeing where things might go wrong and how they can kind of overcome that. Um, and then that helps them perform on the court or the field. <laughs> what, um, conversations are you having with these young athletes as far as confidence? Like what is confidence? What do you teach them? How yeah. do they gain it? So a lot of it is through self-talk because I think that's really where confidence starts and where it can also kind of uh, waver is how we speak to ourselves. Um, and I'm like the most guilty because I can just, you know, like the, it's really easy to be critical, super self-critical. And I think um, there's, a, there's a place for, you can have high standards for your performance without just being mean, you know, so walking that fine line of, you know, expecting and and wanting to do really well and striving for that, but then also having the compassion for yourself. If you don't make make that mark today, what can you having a more objective approach of, OK, what can I specifically do to improve versus like, oh, I suck. I'm terrible. I'm never going to do well because um, that doesn't help anything. So it's not just like kind of positive, like I'm great, you know, you know, <laughs> 10 times in the mirror. It's it's trying to look at things from a more objective perspective and and break things down technically and then also using past success as a way to uh, improve what you say to yourself and and really back up the, the self-talk versus just kind of false positive statements. You said that you're very critical on yourself. So what was the change that you've made in your career as far as changing your self-talk? Uh, it's a work in progress <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, but I think, like I said, just, I think developing that self-compassion has, has been really important for me and, and also not ruminating so much and, and letting like a game be a game versus like an, a measure of my entire worth, you know, and finding worth in my, and value in myself outside of sport is really helpful as well. I think, and especially youth athletes, I think we can get pigeonholed really young into our identities aren't our whole identity is wrapped up in our sport and that can be really dangerous you know moving forward because you know if you have a bad game are you like a worthless person absolutely not but I think it can be easy to kind of fall into that trap and so I think expanding my identity you know especially like even the mentoring helps with that because I can like I said before can help kids even if you know maybe I had a rough game the day before um and then also just 
taking value in in just being human and, and what I like and and finding um, joy in that. Yeah, it's a good mindset to have for sure. I think um, a lot of it resonates with me. I work with a sports psych as well, mm-hmm. and we do a lot of mindfulness training. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like you were saying, observing your thoughts, not as good or bad, mm-hmm. just thoughts mm-hmm. um, and not judging yourself for them either. I think that's really important. It can be really powerful when you, you know, people say like, oh, thoughts are just kind of a cloud in the sky and you can just kind of watch it drift away. Um which is really hard to do, right? right. But all, but just trying to be less attached to particular thoughts, I think, is is really useful in these situations. And also separating yourself from your thoughts, like you are not your thoughts. So just because you had a bad thought, that doesn't make it true. It doesn't make that who you are. But being able to just say, oh, that was that's cool. Like you can just kind of go over there, and I'm gonna decide to think this way instead. Yeah, it's also there's also a practice of like change, reframing it. So mm-hmm. observing, okay, I just had this negative thought. Now let me try to think of something positive mm-hmm. or just reframing it in a different way. Um, and like, I, I think I've said this before, like your brain is a muscle. Mm-hmm. And so you need to train it just like any other muscle on your body. And so the more that you do that, the more that you're able to recognize those thoughts and eventually stop them from occurring so often. Mm-hmm. So you saying I like, can't do that because- you stupid. You say like, oh, great job, girl. No, see, my problem is with ADHD. I'm just easily distracted, so like, it's just is gonna go on to the next thing, and I don't have the ability to be just like. That's my problem is like sticking with that thought, or being in the moment because my problem is that like, for whatever reason, I tend to just sort of like drift or say to myself, it's not enough or it's not fulfilling or you know it's not interesting to me and that's because of my ADHD and so I'm realizing that because I got diagnosed later in life Mm -hmm. and um it makes a lot of sense now (laughs) so so like when I should be like wow what a unique opportunity I'm meeting these incredible people and I'm in these meetings and I I can't seem to sit there and actually soak it in like Joseph will be like soak it in and I'm like I can't like I don't know what that means Mm -hmm. because I'm like my brain is moving on to the next thing yeah interesting what would you say that advice for Dana in this situation or maybe just (laughs) let's not Mm -hmm. reference Dana let's just say like a a younger athlete that tends to have um a little bit of attention you know deficit and um needs a little help to like stay focused in those moments well the first thing I thought of was I mean, the, the positive of that is maybe you're not getting too attached to particular thoughts if they're moving that fast. So yeah. I think maybe even reframing it as, okay, well, at least I don't have that issue. And then taking on to, um, it's also an opportunity to even be more present. I think if, if your thoughts are going through that fast, um, you're not getting stuck on particular ones. So maybe just... I think reframing can be really powerful of using, okay, it can easily be thought of as a deficit, but it can also be thought of as an opportunity and um, such as an opportunity to stay present and maybe trying to um, pay attention to your thoughts and, um, and find out which ones are powerful, which ones you don't really need. And then maybe by doing that, that's kind of repetitions, like you said, of gaining that mindset muscle and, then you're just noticing your thoughts and then maybe you can control them a little bit better, but it always just starts with noticing and um, maybe that 
could be useful. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, th- they say too, like in some cases for me, ADHD could be a superpower. So like, yeah. it allows for me to hyper focus on something that I'm very interested in, mm-hmm. and I won't do anything else until I'm fulfilled or that task is completed. Mm-hmm. So in one, and you know, it isn't just like people think it's just fidgety, but it's literally your mind is elsewhere doing multiple different things um thought wise and then yeah there's a physical aspect of being really fidgety which i am (laughs) and then um yeah just being like very hyper focused in certain situations and losing interest which is the biggest problem you know absolutely but i love the using it as your super or chaining it into a superpower yeah yeah can be really really great yeah. The, <laughs> the problem is like the the creative aspect of it i've talked to you about it it's like you know you constantly are trying to be in my space at least better than your last mm. you know whatever you created mm-hmm. so yeah that's my issue let's let's talk less about me and less <laughs> about you guys <laughs> what about any success stories that you've had with younger athletes you've worked with well, my the one I've been working with the longest, she just committed to Michigan wow. for a field hockey. Awesome. So that was really exciting. That's cool. <laughs> it's been out. about um, two years now. So and just seeing her growth from when we first started working together um, to now has just been really, really fun to be a part of that ride. That's so cool. And I'm sure, too, you've it's kind of probably good refreshers for you when you're working with these younger players for yourself. Mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. After your, well, how long do you see yourself playing for? And then would this be something that you could get into like later in life as well? Like mentoring young athletes or coaching or coaching of some sort or even getting a degree further. Yeah. 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 So uh, I want to play as long as I can and as long as I'm still enjoying it. Um, So that's just kind of we'll see where that takes me. Um, And then afterwards, uh, I I do want to get into coaching. I have my. since I had a fifth year in college, I got my master's in kinesiology, but it was more of a kind of a sport management coaching directed program. So it wasn't super science based. Um, so, yeah, I would like to go into collegiate coaching, but I've also really enjoyed this mentorship. So I could also see myself maybe going in a direction like that or, like you said, kind of furthering my education, formal education in that. So I could do more with it after as well. But regardless, it's going to be useful in whatever I end up doing. So. Yeah, for sure. Building to your resume, which is huge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then what about like the mental health or wellness practices that you incorporate into your daily routine? You know, and obviously yeah. right now, we're, like we started the podcast with was you're in this in-between stage of yeah. getting let go from the team and then trying to find another contract. So kind of like how are you utilizing some of those practices right now? Yeah, I think in general, I try to start the day with some breath work and um, kind of some meditation, just like 10 minutes, just to kind of start my day on a solid note (laughs) (laughs) Um, and just kind of create space between like waking up and then going. Um, So I find that useful in uh, other practices. I love yoga. I try to incorporate that into every day if I can, whether it's 10 minutes and then sometimes I do hour classes as well. So I love kind of that mind body connection as well. And then going for walks is really great. When I'm home, I have uh, two dogs at home. So that's really nice. Oh, nice. They kind of help with the mental health too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are kind of my go-to practices and that's really what I've been leaning into now. I love nature outside, going to the beach and, um, and just being in the sun. <laughs> Is this your, will this be your first 
time being home for the holidays because you play yeah i've been able to come home for christmas a fair amount of times it really just depends on the schedule and the team and everything but it's my it was my first thanksgiving home in 12 years um last week wow so that was really exciting i mean because it was the first time since high school that i was able to be home for thanksgiving what was was what was the biggest takeaway then from being home for the holiday Oh, the food. I just, <laughs> oh my, our food lineup was really great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. 12 years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. So how do you stay connected with your friends and family when you are overseas? Do they come and visit? Do some of them stay with you? Yeah. I mean, FaceTime is a blessing. Um, so <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, and then my parents, they're both retired, so they're able to come visit. Normally my mom and my godmother will come in the fall and then my mom and dad will come in. So like February or so. So they're able to make those visits, which are really, really, um, really great and uh, grounding. And then so occasionally I have friends come. My best friend lives in Ireland, so that's helpful because she's close anyway. So, um, yeah, just stay connected when, as well as I can. Yeah. And then when I come home, being intentional about trying to, you know, reconnect with people. But it's challenging because now I come home and like my, my friends are all over the world. Like, you know, so it's just interesting. It's really great in the ways of oh, I could go to a bunch of different countries and have somewhere to stay. But then, you know, it's interesting where I feel like I'm never really with friends so it's kind of yeah it's it's a double-edged sword sometimes but you're doing what you love exactly and like that's you know that's what's important and you got to play while you still can and while you still love it and while your body's still able you know yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah what would you say was your favorite um country that you played for um I really loved Portugal I mean I I'm biased because I like lived on the beach so that was pretty great i just i just went to spain and portugal as my uh uh, fun trip post season yeah um no volleyball at all and portugal like i mean i'd been to a decent amount of places in europe Mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of time it's like okay europe's europe you know and i was completely wowed by portugal yeah Yeah, Yeah. it was awesome it was just yeah it was it was and it was kind of california-esque too so that Mm -hmm. was kind of felt a little bit like homey yeah so yeah that's awesome Where's a destination you want to go that you haven't played? Like what league? In terms of pl- uh, playing, in terms yeah. of playing, I just I would my goal is to be on a Euro Cup team, so that can be dependent on on pretty much any country. So um, yeah, we'll see. No, well, maybe this next contract. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Was there anything else? I didn't have anything else. Did we cover everything? We covered a lot, except for the fact that we had technical difficulties. Yeah, that's, that's okay. okay. It's so annoying. <laughs> We've had a long journey of technical difficulties oh. at the very beginning, but we're doing better. Well, um, Mercury's about to be in retrograde, so. Oh, gosh. True. Again? Yeah, that. we're in the pre shadow phase right now. <laughs> How do you, I guess, like, I guess I'm, I guess I'm more curious of like being in between contracts right now. How do you sit with this stillness as far as. There's a lot of uncertainty. You don't really have a lot of control. There's not a lot of contracts or like you don't really have control over that, like what contracts you get. Yeah. So how do you sit in stillness? Um, That's a great question. (laughs) And it really depends on the day. There's some days where I'm just like, I'm great. I'm happy to be home. You know, I'm just taking it each day as it comes. And there's some days where I'm just so anxious and so frustrated and and so all these emotions and I think 
just being okay with however I'm feeling is really important and not trying to fight it. And, um, like as much as I can trying to focus on the good. And I also try to just practically stay as busy as I can so that I can, you know, just really focus on my, on training and, um, and, you know, keeping up a, a decent routine, I think has been good, but yeah, it's been a wave of, of a lot of things. <laughs> Yeah, I sure. wanted uh, to ask real quick, um, how would you compare the WNBA to European leagues? I would say the WNBA is a collection of the best players in the world um, in general. And um, but I would say like the top European leagues are, are very comparable to to that. I think it's a slightly different style um, of play. You know, Europe is is tends to be pretty uh team-based and very fundamental and um WNBA is you know in the U.S. we have a lot of really amazing athletes and I think it's a little bit more kind of athletic in that sense um but it's also hard to separate because so many players play in Europe too so yeah it's uh kind of hard to distinguish interesting both good both yes both good all great if you were to play for a WNBA team here who would you play for oh <laughs> right now the aces i mean, I mean <laughs> yeah. get on that train <laughs> kelsey plum and everybody i love Becky Candace parker too. do you think she's gonna leave i don't know Hard hopefully to say. she's she's closer to her kid now that's why she moved yeah yeah so anyway Time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, as soon as she's back from her injury, because I thought she was injured. Yeah, she had a foot surgery, I think. All right. Um, I guess the last question here is, how do you take a bet on yourself, or how have you taken a bet on yourself? I think one of the most important questions that you can ask yourself is, what what do you want? And I've been really, I've gotten really mechanical about literally like writing out what I want in all different aspects of life. And then I think, knowing when the situation doesn't match that being willing to bet on yourself or bet on myself and um make a change even if it's scary and being willing to jump in the unknown and trust that i'll find my way out of it that was a great answer yeah i like that <laughs> yeah that was good thanks and the last bit here the the mic is yours if there's anything on your heart or mind that you want to share with us here in the room or with our listeners you could either pass and we end it here <laughs> or you know you could, say what, you could say you could you could give a shout out you could be like you know shout out to the homies for taking care of me or whatever make it yours all yours oh man um I mean, you could yell you could sing <laughs> you know, whatever you want um i mean i'll just thank you guys for for having me here and and being a part of this platform is really special i mean i've listened to some episodes before and i think what you're doing is really exciting and impactful so just thank you for letting me be a part of it yeah well, thank, thank you. you yeah thanks for sharing your story and being our first basketball yeah, yeah. yeah. we've been trying to tap into that market for so long really? yeah yeah <laughs> it's so hard so we're very thankful that you made time for us and Shoot him. <laughs> We're gonna have to go shoot some baseball. Yeah, now. we might have to go. Yeah. You might have to teach me a few things. She has a great like, um, what's it called? Um, ball through. Yeah. Are you actually? Are you lefty? No, I just oh, I have the okay. mic. No, in my hand. <laughs>
I was gonna say because I'm a lefty too. So I'm a righty. I have a, a, righty. a bond. I'm lefties, a lefties are so hard to like guard. Everything is backwards. Anyway, <laughs> and that is the bet on her podcast. And cut. <laughs> I got two mics. I don't know what we're doing over here. <laughs> Hello. Oh, that was so good. Uh,